Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. By popular demand, one of Missoula's favorite bands, Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats, they will return to Missoula. Of all the things I haven't done in a minute, going to concerts at the Kettle House Amphitheater has got to be number one on the list of things I cannot wait to do. You went to Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats last time they were in Missoula a couple years back. You said it was awesome. I've seen it both times. I saw them sell at the Wilma. I saw them at the Kettle House. I mean, there's... Not many performers who put on a show like Nathaniel Rateliff. That guy has a ton of energy, and he just goes all over the stage, man. If you have not seen him, I don't want to like encourage you people to go buy tickets because I, <laughs> I want to make sure I get some good tickets to that show. But like, go to that show. You will not be let down. Nuan is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television, all the way around the great state of Montana. I'm Coulter Nuanez. Kyle Sample joining me in studio. Missed the thing in the first hour of the show. Great first hour. Talked NBA playoffs. We also talked about um, the importance of sunscreen. As you're out there doing your weekend activities or hiking, fishing, golfing, whatever, wear some sunscreen. I promise it's going to uh, it's going to help you out in the long run. Protecting yourself from melanoma, as our great guest said. One of five American adults experience melanoma, some sort of skin cancer in their lives. So 
lather up. Make sure you're protected. And uh, we also had Jeff Safford from the Missoula Paddleheads join us to talk about the Paddleheads uh, opening to the season, a 3-0 and opening to the season for Missoula's minor league baseball team. You find all that that you might have missed in the podcast, which is presented proudly by Blackfoot Communications, the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, and Sportsbet Montana. You want to be involved in the show? Give us a call. Shoot us a text. 888-1029. That's 406-888-1029. That's a new phone number. Easy to remember, though. 888-1029. Remember that, too, because in about 20 minutes, I got free Taglieri Deli for you. I had a $25 gift card to Taglieri Delicatessen as part of our Taglieri Tuesday. Taglieri Deli has the best sandwiches in the state of Montana. All right, what do you want to do here? You want to continue our, our NBA conversation? You want to delve into... Uh, the has and or I guess the, the the once mighty programs in college football. Let's do some of this college football stuff. Okay, so here I'll set the scene for you. Yesterday, Ty Gregorak, longtime assistant football coach at both Montana and Montana State, joined us here in studio. He's a great friend of the show. He and I were talking about some of uh, th- this started because I have a book over there by I believe it's by Jim Dent called The Undefeated. It's all about the late 40s and early 50s Oklahoma Sooners, which people might not remember, but is the greatest so dynasty. Good. They're the greatest dynasty in college football history. Most, most wins in a row, right? I mean, they went undefeated for five years yeah. in a row. That 47 wins in a row. I mean, that is an astounding number. Bud Wilkinson, an absolute legend in the college football game. He was a, a, an ex-World War One and World War II guy. Uh, the, the book itself is just so rich in its stories with the way that they used to recruit and the way that he used to coach. It is f- a full different universe <laughs> than what we see now. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, I know that I sound like a broken record when it comes to this, but people just used to be so much tougher than they are now. It's amazing what uh, the generation, the greatest generation had to go through uh, to help us have the life of leisure and luxury that we have, but I was thinking about how Oklahoma, even back in the post World War II era, in in you know decades before my you know a full ten years before my parents were even born, were good, and they've kind of always just been pretty darn solid. There's never really been a time in Oklahoma where people were wondering what happened to the Sooners. They've always been very good, and when they're really really good, they're you know college football playoff or, or BCS bowl or whatever whatever uh, iteration we're talking of the, of that generation of college football. And, and there's a couple programs like that. I mean, Ohio State has been pretty darn good pretty much from Woody Hayes to Jim Trestle to Urban Meyer all the way now to Ryan Day. And, uh, I mean, Georgia's always been pretty darn good. And when they're good, when they're really good, they're really good. And, honestly, one of the programs that's been pretty perennially good, despite one of the, the, one of the grossest scandals in the history of college sports, is Penn State. I mean, Penn State was only kind of bad for a couple years after the Jerry Sandusky thing. And then they got it right back rolling, and Bill O'Brien was good, and James Franklin's been great. So Penn State um, has sort of that same deal. Well, then I was thinking about programs that, you know, Oregon was irrelevant in the 90s. And even though they started kind of making the turn in the early 2000s, and then it really exploded. Boise State was in the big sky in the 90s and has become, at least regionally and in a lot of ways, a nationally prominent team. TCU used to not even have a seat at the table in their own state, let alone being a, a perennial top 20 team. I mean, they, they could hardly even keep up with the SMUs and Houstons of the world, let alone Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor. And TCU has really uh, been one of the sort of the newcomers in the last 20 years or so. And Clemson is also one that's probably been a newcomer. But then I was thinking about the programs that th- there's been these programs where in 
1994, you look at Florida State and you said, how is anybody ever going to catch those guys? Like they just got a rolling. They're just killing everybody. Nebraska, how is anybody ever going to catch Nebraska? Into the early 2000s, Miami, USC, Texas. I mean, the, the USC-Texas game in 2006, one of the great college football games of all time, one of the great national championship games of all time. Who could have ever thought that USC and Texas would both be where they are now less than 20 years later? It's amazing. But there's all sorts of different factors to this, but I just want to get your take. What do you think are the primary factors to the teams that have been consistent, the teams that have made a rise, and the teams that have sort of fallen from grace? I think it's one thing. I think it comes down to one thing. It's the people you have in your program. It is the people who are either the coaches, the support staff, um, the people within your athletic department. When you have people that um, understand how to put that stuff together, how to communicate, how to work together, how to collaborate, um, and also who are very competitive. I mean, I think a lot of these coaches are, even the ones who fail are very competitive, but they don't understand the mechanism of what they're trying to do from a day-to-day basis. And I think that's one thing that I've learned in this new profession that I've been in the last three years is that when you get a group of people who can actually work together and communicate and just do the things that you need to do from a day-to-day basis, you're going to succeed. And I think that's the one thing that you see. Like, why did Texas fall off all of a sudden? For whatever reason, the people that they got there no longer were the people who could handle those tasks. USC, same thing. Their athletic department failed. Uh, that's a top-down failure. They they uh, identified talent badly. Those those people uh, were not ready for the jobs that they had to do. It's If you get people who can work together like that, that's how you succeed. That's how you, and if you maintain those people, if you can keep them there, or that the, or you can keep, create some type of like internal training where your coaches can rise up and then become a head coach and maintain that thing, like what you're seeing with Ohio State, that's how you maintain success over the long haul. I think it's purely people. I think that the, the biggest argument for the, the newcomers, the guys that have the new seat at the table, would be people and money. I don't right. think money has that big a deal to do with it. Why is Texas bad? Well, no, no, no. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think. I agree with you. Money is not for, for the fall of grace. I'm just talking about the newcomers, like the Oregon's of the world. Oregon. It's a pretty direct correlation. It's not as if. I mean, they, they've had some pretty good coaches, but it, they they haven't had like a Nick Saban or something like that. They just had Phil Knight. Hasn't we, Phil Knight been there? True. He only started giving them the uh, Phil, Phil Knight was writing like the the checks with two commas in them instead of three commas in them. You know what I mean? The, when when Phil Knight got his best friend Pat Kilkenny to retire from his billionaire furniture business and then installed him as the athletic director at Oregon, that changed the game forever. So just a couple, just to play devil's advocate, how do you explain Clemson? They don't have a huge donor. How That's do you true, then, but how they, they have improved their facilities. Well, they they, they, have, they improved, have had they have improved their uh, Oklahoma State has right, right, but they haven't become anything. Sure, right. Uh, Clemson has improved their facilities because they started winning, and they get into and the ACC struck a TV deal. So right. yeah, money has helped right. there, but that money is spread out to everybody in the ACC, right. including Florida State. Sure, and Florida State has not been able to ride the wave. Sure, that's so true. It's like, I, I mean, money. I, I think money helps, but you can have all the money in the world. Look at Texas. If you don't have the people in place to put something together in a way that like Nick Saban has, I think that is like one of the most fascinating things that every organization should study is Alabama football. For sure. How Not just sports organizations, every organization. Everybody, yep. How do they consistently 
do what they do every single week? How do they get every kid to maximize his talent every single week? It's it's unbelievable to me. And when you come down to the structure, you're talking about the, the planning and being on the same page and the teamwork, but all, more than almost any other factor. And I think this is something where th- this is the definitive factor at the University of Montana is do the people in charge grasp accept and embrace the expectation of the place. Mm-hmm. If they don't, if there's any skew to the expectation, if they do not fully understand what it is, they don't set it and try to achieve it over and over and over again, they will fail. Yeah. That's been the absolute failure at the University of Montana. And the structure at Montana has been so, it, it's, it's, you can't say it's unbreakable because everything is breakable. Nothing but, but Montana to say that they had a, a terrible decade, the last decade, when they won 78 games and went to the playoffs six out of 10 years, shows you just how strong they uh, the program was and is still, and just the support and systematic advantages that they have over their competition. Mm-hmm. But you look at, I think that USC is a great example of this. I think Florida State is a great example of this. I think that... Um, even Texas is a great example of this. What are the expectations? What are they? What should they be? That's where Saban is the best because he sets the bar as high as you can possibly set it and then challenges every single person in his organization to exceed those expectations. And there is no excuse to do anything but that. It must communicate it. I mean, right? I don't know. I think that's always the, the biggest factor in any group activity is what is the level of communication? Right. Uh, what are and there's and consistency all sorts in the communication too. Yes. What there's all sorts of things that need to be communicated. But how are you handling that? Is that happening? Can everybody do it? Like when you get a group of people who can who can communicate to each other everything. I mean, you don't leave questions to be answered. There are no, there's less assumptions to be made. You are more likely to be on the same page. You're more likely to understand what needs to be accomplished, and you're more likely to be successful. Freddie Banks, who is the new defensive coordinator at Montana State, he was on this show last week, and it was a great interview. You can find it on the podcast, available on your on all your podcast hosting platforms. But Coach Banks, he's a very young coach. He, he can't. I don't even think he's as old as we are. He's, he's in his early 30s. He uh, he's only been in the, he, he was a cornerback at North Dakota State in 2010 to put in perspective uh, how young he is. He's, he, he's been in college football coaching for a, a decade or less. Great conversation. We talked all about the ins and outs of MSU's new defensive scheme and, and sort of his thoughts on the game of football in general. But I thought he made such a, a comment that resonated with me so much. He said, "When I first got here, I was looking at the trophy cases and I was looking at all the banners and all the the things and and Montana State has won uh, I think eighteen Big Sky titles throughout their the history of their program or eighteen conference titles. I believe maybe fifteen of them have been in the Big Sky since nineteen sixty three. So and the Bobcats have have won a Big Sky title in every decade that the Big Sky Conference has existed, with the exception of the nineteen nineties. So they have phenomenal tradition. And like he said, he said that he thought that the biggest mistake that people in college football make is trying to make a program that has tremendous tradition their own rather than just bearing the torch for the program. That also harkens back to Texas and the USC more than anything. We have these brave, new, innovative ideas where we're going to do this. It's like, man, you're USC. You have all of these built-in advantages. Just respect the history of the place and try to match it and just feel fortunate that you are leading that place because... It does not matter how good you could ever be in college football. And Saban might buck what I'm about to say, but he's a complete anomaly. Other than that, your time is finite. 
And don't be Clay Helton. Man. Just don't. Or Lane Kiffin. Like, just don't. It's embarrassing. Like, honestly, like, that, I think, like, I think it's actually, USC is such a good example of the opposite of what Alabama does. Right. His problem has always been that he cannot get his teams to focus. They commit ridiculous penalties. They don't show up for games. He has such talent. He, they've only had really one bad recruiting year. The talent level that they have there is as good as pretty much any program across the country, top top 10 across the country. They do not get their players on the same page. I don't know what they're, what what happens there, but from week to week, they cannot get their teams to focus, to get on the same page, to understand that they're a team. Like, they just don't do it. They're the opposite of Alabama. Listen to Nuanez now on ESPN Missoula. Maybe watching on SWX Montana television around the great state of Montana. I'm Coulter Nuanez. Kyle Sample joining me in studio. This is uh, sort of derailing the, the, the actual conversation topic that we're having, but I have a question for you. What is wrong with football in the West? College football. Why is it that it's so hard for teams in the West to oh. break in? Uh, you mean uh, the F- uh, FPS? All the, all the way around. All the way around. I think that the football out West for the big sky is, is good because of some of the flagship schools that are in the league that have these tremendous advantages. I mean, Montana and Montana State are not the same as Northern Colorado and Southern Utah. This is yeah. not even the same. They shouldn't, quite frankly, be in the same conference or division, really, when you talk about funding resources and uh, facilities and all those sorts of things. I but, guess I'd never really noticed that there was a... But Mike, Mike Kramer, and you know Mike Kramer, former Montana yeah. State and Eastern Washington Idaho State head coach, he's a crazy person. He's one of my favorite people. I think he's a brilliant man, but he's also maniacal in his way of thinking. But he used to always tell me, and he used to always argue, that football out west will never be superior again to football in the south because of the quality of life that exists. His biggest argument is it doesn't matter how bad you got it if you live in the, the most western states. You probably got it better than a lot of the people. Like growing up, quote-unquote, disenfranchised in the suburbs of California is totally different than growing up disenfranchised in backwoods Mississippi. Or it's not, it's not even because the poverty is at a higher or lower level or the violence is at a higher or lower level. Instead, it's more just... Uh, the, the lack of, of development, the lack of resources. I mean, it, it's, there's just some places still in the American South that are truly rural. I mean, it's like you've read Meat Market by Bruce Feldman, right? No, I've just... Uh, but you know, you know what I'm talking yeah, You yeah, know what I'm referring, referring to. Book, yeah. I mean, they, they often talk about in that book, not to completely take this on a tangent, but there's so many different factors that go into the education or lack thereof of students and then subsequently potential student athletes and like Feldman would always say so many guys are either partial or non-qualifiers that come out of states like Mississippi and Louisiana and it's not because these guys are dumb or have inability it's because of the structure that exists for example in Mississippi if you have a child that's declared as a special needs child you get subsidization from the government you get you get money from the government because Mississippi is the poorest state in the union and so many people live on, I mean, they're nickel and dime on their way to even eat food, it's of a benefit for them to take social assistance wherever they can get it. So then it's encouraged for you, if you have low test scores or whatever, to deem your child as an exceptionality student so you can get some, well, then all of a sudden you have guys that 
that if they had the right resources and the right support could be fully functioning normal students, but they're getting railroaded. And then all of a sudden they're non-qualifiers when it comes to their opportunity to go get an education and play football. And so those sorts of things, it's, I guess what I'm getting at though is life is really good in the West, especially in the Northwest. I mean, quality of life in the Pacific Northwest and throughout California, at least maybe not right now, but but traditionally is very good. So how much does that impact just the way that college football plays out and the the kind of kids you get? I I wonder that with USC. Are these guys, they're just more entitled? They're more soft? I mean, what is the missing link? No. uh, That's a good theory. I've never thought of it that way. Um, This is going to go back against my claim that money's not the end all, you know? Uh, But there's at the FCS level, there are, or at the FBS level, there are two Western conferences. One is allowed to take part in college football, and one gets to watch through the window. So the Mountain West is never going to be uh, a championship caliber conference. They're not allowed to be. For sure. The Pac 12 is. The Pac 12 has a failure of people within the conference. For who sure. have failed how to market it, who failed how to bring it to TV. Um, their whole strategy of making that conference uh, one of the best conferences in the nation when it comes to football and men's basketball is a complete failure. And because of that, when you look at the TV revenue that goes to Pac-12 schools, I think USC gets $26 million. Sounds really great, right? $26 million. Mm -hmm. I wish I got that every single year. Um, You compare that to what Clemson gets, what SEC schools get, what Vanderbilt gets. Vanderbilt gets like... Fo- low 40s. Oh, for sure. The, so, SEC, the SEC payout right now is $44 million, right. no matter who you are. Alabama or Vanderbilt, $44 mil right. for your TV rights. So do the math. You lose $16 million a year over four years. You just lost $64 million. That's a state-of-the-art football facility. For sure. Like, you're not, you're, you cannot compete with those schools when they can continually just take their TV revenue and dump it into those kinds of things. Like, so... It's a failure of people that is trickling down and not allowing the Pac-12 to get the money that they need to allow their higher-level programs to compete on a national level. I also think that the Pac-12 schools, and I I don't know what my opinion on this is, it's just a fact that the revenue sports, particularly football, are held back by the fact that many, if not all, the Pac-12 schools offer a wider variety of sports than any other conference in the country. At one point, I believe Stanford was the only school in the country, maybe Ohio State, that were offering all 32 available varsity sports. Stanford has then since, because they're of the pandemic... Continue. They're going to continue. They just announced it. They did. They, did. Yeah. they announced that they're, they are going to continue to offer all sports. That's a double-edged sword, because on one hand, I think it's great to enhance your campus community by bringing diverse people from diverse backgrounds with diverse skill sets. If you are Stanford, you definitely want the best women's rower and the best men's gymnast and also the best chess player and the best writer and the best novelist. And you want all the best to be on your campus. That's what you are at Stanford. Cal Berkeley, same thing. But the more you're investing in that sort of thing, the less revenue and resources. I mean, say for what you can, you can, you can opine what, however you want, but Alabama's spending all their money on football. That's why Alabama football wins a national championship every year. That's it. That's it. That's all. So uh, it, it is an interesting analysis. We're going to get this back on track because I want to ask a couple more questions about some of the programs that were once mighty that have since fallen from grace. We're also going to talk a little PGA championship and a little bit more NBA. Kyle Sample with me, Colter Nuanas. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Missoula. Keep it right here. 
The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home Teams or once mighty teams in college football. It's a theme of the week here on Nuanas Now. I'm Coulter Nuanas, Kyle Sample, sitting in the chair with me. We're talking all things college football and uh, NBA as well. We're going to get to some of all that. But first, I want to ask you a pretty straightforward question. There is a video that is really lighting up the Twitter world right now of Brooks Kepka trying to give an interview during the PGA Championship, and one Bryson DeChambeau walking by Brooks Kepka during the interview, and Kepka completely losing his train of thought and basically closing his eyes and sort of glitching out for a second and then lacing a string of profanities to the reporter saying, I, I can't uh, remember what your question was. I got totally derailed. I can't deal with this BS. I bleep, bleep, bleep that guy. That guy's a bleep, bleep, bleep. And uh, then they sort of restart the interview. This is, uh, on the surface, hilarious. But there's also a lot of people saying that they think it's played up, that it's uh, some sort of pro-wrestling shtick or something. Where are you at with this? Does Brooks Kepka hate Bryson DeChambeau? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Like, what? I don't understand the line of question that it's a media thing. I don't know. There's the, I don't get it. There's the, the the PGA guys right now, they get paid more money for having well, that hasn't higher gone social into media. Yet, right. It hasn't yet. The player performance, player incentive performance payout, or whatever the hell it's called. Um, I don't think that's gone into effect yet. Secondly, this is well documented, and it goes back years. Oh, I kept going. Like, talks they didn't, about. They weren't just like, hey, hey, Bryson, like, I know you're like a, you know, you're a science guy, you like to plan things out, but like, do you want to plan like some crazy hatred of each other? <laughs> and then we like capitalize it when the PGA might give us more money for like, be, like they could both, he, he can make this money without hating him. Right. What is the impetus for this? What what is the origin point of why they they Brooks Kepka hates Bryson? So, is it because it's because Brooks was the buff guy on tour and now Bryson's the beefcake <laughs> or what? Um, Bryson plays really slow mm. and Brooks plays really fast. Right. And Brooks called him out for that. Um, and then there was some other stuff. I read this SI article about it today. Um, Bryson tried to like smooth things over and Brooks just doesn't want to hear it because like let's be honest. Brooks hates Bryson DeChambeau because Brooks only likes Brooks Kepka. I, I don't even think Brooks Kepka likes golf. I just think he's one of those guys who like fell into something that he was good at, and he was like, oh, this makes me a lot of money, and I like this lifestyle, but I can't make this money or live this lifestyle doing anything else, so I'm just stuck with this golf thing. Like, 
I really don't think he likes anything but himself. <laughs> there's a story. There's a story that he has Nike tailor make his sleeves so that it makes him look buffer. That's a real thing. I I fully believe it. He there's no question in my mind that he's an egomaniac. I have yeah. no idea about his passion or love for golf. I he also doesn't even practice. I also find I also find this this phenomenon very interesting, and I think it, it it has done a lot of things to the just the overall narrative on the PGA Tour. But more than anything, I think it has further solidified why Tiger Woods is not only among the greatest golfers of all time, but among the greatest American athletes of all time. We've seen multiple guys burst onto the scene, become true championship, major championship level contenders, and you know top two, three, four ranked guys in the world when they're very young, early to mid twenties. Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, uh, even Jason Day had a, a seat at the table for a, a brief minute, um, and they 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 win. They all won in, in bunches. You know, win two, three, four majors in a year or two, or, or you know, two and a half seasons or whatever. But then, as soon as the narrative starts brewing nationally that they're the guy, that's the guy. That's gonna be the next guy that's making a run at Jack Nicholas's record and Tiger Woods's record. They just start to crumble. Mm-hmm. Brooks Kepka was the latest of those guys. Mm-hmm. I believe he won four major championships in his first six starts. Mm-hmm. He'd never won a PGA yeah. event yeah. until he was a two-time defending U.S. Open champion, and so much of his dominance in major championships has been his steely demeanor. The fact that he he is the guy that doesn't fall apart. He's just, he's solid at worst and uh, awesome at best, but he just grinds you into dust because he's not going to screw it up. Well, the wheels flat came off for old Brooks on Sunday at the PGA Championship and he had a meltdown. First of all, I thought it was uh, great theater to just play that he, he is in fact human. He's not just some cyborg robot who can flip the switch. But I also wonder if this is a premonition for him now being the next guy that once had a sweet spot that then falls apart. It could be. I mean, that's, I think, the thing we'd learn about golf. And if you do golf, you already know this. Don't ever make predictions when it comes to golf. Right. They They don't hatch out. Like, if you play golf well one day, don't predict that you're just going to go play it well the next day. And certainly don't predict that, like, just because one guy had a bad round, he's all of a sudden, he's all of a sudden never going to be able to close again, right? Because, like, I just don't think these things, like, follow through. I think golf is a very is as unpredictable as a sport it gets. Especially, I would love it, though, because I, I hate Brooks. Do you? Yeah. See, I, I, I hate his too-cool-for-school attitude. Like, don't give me that crap that you don't golf, that you don't practice golf. Yes, you do. Golf is the hardest <laughs> thing. It's the hardest sport. Like, you didn't just roll out of bed and win some U.S. Opens. Like, not even Tiger Woods could do that. Tiger Woods practiced prodigiously. Like you're not you're not so good at this that you don't need to practice and then you go in back to back U.S. Opens like that's get out of here with that get out. <laughs> it, it's great though to have a villain. It is, and I think this is really good for the sport. Um, and I don't think it's something that like I wish golf uh, we would get away from this idea that everybody on the tour are friends. Sure, they're not right. Like, and that's a good thing because. Like it's there is no thing. sport where everybody is friends. So why would it happen in golf? Like I golfers know. are like kind of like prickly, like you know, like For sure. how, how often do you go to a uh, a golf course and you're like, yeah, this atmosphere is sweet. It's so accepting. Everybody <laughs> here right. likes me. Like it doesn't. Well, golf is a weird atmosphere. You, you have to have a level of elite arrogance to be a phenomenal golfer because 
what sport does it matter more that you believe in yourself than and, golf? And a little bit of a, a, a loner mentality. For sure. Because until you get a caddy, you're out there by yourself. Like, you're making all those decisions by yourself, right? Like, you can't even ask your playing partner what club they hit legally. Right. Like, so you kind of have to have these sort of like lone wolf mentality a little bit. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. We made you wait, so it's time now. Tagliari Tuesday. Tagliari Delicatessen, the best sandwiches in the entire Garden City and, quite frankly, in the entire state of Montana. The Food Network just recently named Tagliari the best sandwiches in the state of Montana. So you need to go try one, no matter what, even if you don't win this gift card I'm about to give you. You need to go try. They have so many good sandwiches. They got a new one, the Queen, which is super delicious. I had that one uh, over the weekend, and uh, man, yummy, yummy, yummy. It has all sorts of good stuff, turkey and bacon and mozzarella and pesto, and it's right up uh, every sandwich lover's alley. And right now, we have a $25 gift card for you. All you have to do is give us a call, 888-1029. That's 406-888-1029. Caller number two, Tommy. Caller number two is going to get a $25 gift card to Tagliari Delicatessen, the best sandwiches in the entire state of Montana. And if you don't win, head on down to Tagliari. You can get not only great sandwiches, but you can also get wine. They have custom um Specialty pastas and pasta sauces. It's kind of a little taste of Italy, a little corner market right there on the corner of Beckwith and Higgins, Tagliari Delicatessen. Check back on Nuanas now every Tuesday for your chance to win more from Tagliari Deli. Time now quickly for our Treasure State Stars. We do this each and every Tuesday as well. It's presented by Parkside Credit Union, highlighting five of the great performances or, or storylines around the state of Montana in amateur athletics. Church State star number one, presented by Parkside Credit Union, Larry Smith. He was the softball coach for the Polson Pirates for 31 years before he retired following the 2019 season. He led Polson to some of the greatest success in all of Montana high school softball. Well, earlier this year, they named, the I, I guess earlier this month, I should say, they named the new softball facility in Polson after him. So very cool for him to be honored like that. Uh, he has had as much impact on the sport of softball in the state of Montana as anybody in the state over the last three-plus decades. And even though he's retired, Polson still the top seed in the Class A tournament, which begins here later this week. Treasure State star number two, a familiar name here around the city of Missoula, Manny Morales, one of the great Lady Grizz players of all time. She still ranks second in points and second in assists in Lady Grizz history. And she's been coaching at uh, various stops throughout uh, since, since she graduated about a decade ago. But now she's the new head coach for Huntley Project, new head girls basketball coach at Huntley Project. You remember Morales? Yeah. She I, was sweet, man. Oh, man. the no, I mean, she was a great basketball player. The number one thing I remember about her was uh, that year that the Grizz basketball team was really good. Uh, I think they were playing Oral Roberts. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, I used to be a pretty unruly fan um, and really mean to the opposing teams. That's and, so unsurprising. Oh, man. I remember one time she gave me this look that, like, if looks could kill, oh, man. I'd have been dead on the oh, spot. Oh, and she's steely, oh. too. Oh, you don't want to oh, screw man. out Man Morales. Man Morales would kick your butt. I promise you that. No matter who you are. But okay. congratulations to Man Morales. Trevor State star number three. Speaking of Lady Grizz, moving in the head coaching ranks, Jace Henderson who was an all-Big Sky player a couple years ago for the Lady Grizz and uh, then has been on Mike Petrino's coaching staff the last couple years. She's the new head coach at Missoula Big Sky. So she's coaching at my alma mater. Congratulations to Jace. That's pretty cool. She will give Big Sky a much-needed influx of positivity. 
And uh, she's a great coach, both from her time working at Failure Sports Specific and with the Lady Grizz. So, Jace Henderson, the new Missoula Big Sky head coach. Treasure State star number four. Speaking of Missoula Big Sky Eagles, senior Jace Tolleson Knee. He was the Western AA champion. And... Uh, in singles in boys tennis, so he will take one of the top seeds into the uh, the class AA state tournament. So cool for Missoula Big Sky to have a state a state championship contender like that. So Jace Tolson Knee, our Treasure State star number four, Treasure State star number five. We're giving it to both the Missoula Loyola boys and girls tennis teams. Loyola they swept the state BC uh, state championships over the weekend. Evelyn DeChans was uh, the girls' champion and Jake Bellamo, the boys' champion. So not only did Missoula Loyola win the boys' and girls' singles crown, they also captured five of the six major tennis titles at the Small School Tennis Showcase, and uh, they take home the team trophies on both sides. So congratulations to both the Rams and the Heartbreakers from Missoula Loyola. What's that? I was going to say, shout out Bill Speltz, tennis. Bill Speltz, Missoulian, he's sticking around. If you hadn't heard, he was leaving, and now he's coming back, and now he's here. So uh, worked alongside Bill for a lot of years, and Bill is a great advocate for tennis because it's a sport that doesn't get covered that much, and Bill is a great tennis player himself, and he does a great job covering tennis. So I continue it, Bill, because you're the guy we're getting this information from, and we need you because this is cool to have state champions uh, in the city of Missoula. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Julio Jones wants out in Atlanta, and there's more NBA playoff action pretty much every night for the next month and a half. We're going to talk both those things right after this. Keep it right here, 1029. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. One, two, three. One is now on ESPN Radio. Quarters in session, a verdict is in. No appeal on the docket today, just my home sin. The wall's cold and I will never stand down. I will never stand down. This is an excellent song. You can say whatever you want about Creed. You can say whatever you want about Scott Stapp. I fully agree that they became a parody of themselves after they hit it big. Their second album is trash. Their first album is excellent. This is a great piece of songwriting. What people don't understand is that Creed got so sideways because everybody thought they were a religious band, but they're not. This song is about doing heroin. It's not about God. Here's all I've got to say to you, Coulter. What, Tommy? Forget Bruce Springsteen when we've got Creed. <laughs> I I can't argue. I cannot argue. By the you way, do have a- when we were talking about Bruce Springsteen lyrics last night and you texted me those lyrics, I had a premonition or I guess a realization that I'm on fire is a creepy song. Yeah. You just realized that? That's a creepy song. What are you talking about? Man, we don't need to go I mean, into Just the it. way it's worded, it sounds creepy, but it might, he might just, that might just be the way he talks, you know? Hey, little girl, is your daddy okay. home? 
Well, on, on Creed, do you remember where you lived together in Bozeman? Um, vaguely. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember um, when you tried to tell me that Creed was really good? For sure. I've been I, making I almost, this argument. I almost for- moved out. <laughs> Finally, someone's sane in that room. Well, T- Tommy and Tutel and now Sample all getting it up on me. I'm not. I'm not proclaiming to be a big Creed fan. I just think that their first album has a couple good songs, including "My Own Prison," which is an excellent piece of songwriting. And I will continue to argue that here on Nuanas Now and wherever else we uh, might cross paths. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for rolling with us on your Tuesday. It's been an awesome show. We talked NBA. We talked college football. We talked Bryson DeChambeau versus Brooks Kepka. We taught you all about the value of sunscreen. We had our Treasure State stars. And we also had Jeff Safford from the Missoula Paddleheads swing by. All that and more you can find it on the podcast, which is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, and Sportsbet Montana. we got a few minutes left. What do you think of Julio Jones wanting out in Atlanta? About not, time, right? Not surprised. Right. You got to get out of there, man. He's got to go, like, try to win. He's so good. I mean, yeah. At some and he's going to be so underappreciated. For sure. I mean, at some point, when you're catching 100 balls for 1,800 yards every year and you're not getting much of anything done, you got to go somewhere else. Just go to San Francisco. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. And I actually think that might be in the mix because he does have ties to Kyle Shanahan and uh, they definitely need a receiver like him. So, so sweet. What do you think of Tim Tebow being back in the league? I have, I, have two, I have two minds about this. I think it's awesome that he continues to chase these things. I thought it was a joke when he went to minor league baseball, but then I thought about it. I thought it was pretty cool that he was like, this and is what actually, I want to do. He actually did he okay. He actually did okay. Yeah. Like, he worked hard. That's what he wanted to do. I thought that was cool. Um, I also think it's a joke because he's not... I, I, is he worth it? Really, is he one, is he one of the 30... Is he, is he an a NFL caliber tight end? No. No. So... I think it's a joke that he just gets to like probably ride his relationship with Urban Meyer and maybe get some sell some tickets in Jacksonville. But I think so. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, two two things there. Switching gears to the NBA, the NBA playoffs back in action tonight. A uh, couple games for you. Boston is at Brooklyn. The Nets are up one nothing in that series. That game has actually already started. It tipped at five thirty here local time. And then the Lakers are at the Suns. The Suns up one nothing. I think that there's a, a sort of narrative brewing that, that well, for, it's not even brewing. The Lakers are the defending NBA champions, and I think when the Lakers are healthy, they're still among, if not the favorites, to win the NBA championship. Right? Yeah. What do you think of this Suns-Lakers series? Because Phoenix did take care of business in Game 1, and so that is you know one in the bank where they, they kept home court advantage, and, and here they are. They got If they get one more tonight, they definitely will have secured, you know, made sure that the home court advantage was well worth it. But is this fool's gold? I mean, can the Suns really knock off the Lakers? No. I don't think so either. I don't think they match up. I think the Lakers have too much height. Uh, their perimeter defense is among the best in the league. Um too much size and too much LeBron. Exactly. And that's the whole thing is that they, even if they do, even if DeAndre Ayton plays out of his mind and somehow slows down Anthony Davis, which is a very unlikely occurrence anyways, the Suns have literally nothing for LeBron James. Nothing. I mean, he, he will. Bridges did a really good job in game one, but like, he's, it's not going to, he can't. He can't. He, he can't. Now, now, and LeBron will find a new gear. Yeah. He's been on vacation for a couple weeks. They said it was, you know, an ankle injury or whatever, but he's been hanging. I think it's also the sixth time in his last nine series that he's lost game one. Interesting. So he's throwing yeah. it to give himself some motivation. And he goes to the NBA Finals. <laughs> like every, every single year. Every single time. Every single year. 
What else are you looking at in the NBA playoffs? What else, is there anything that's happened that surprised you? I guess one series I wanted to ask you about, where are you at with Hawks-Knicks? Because this oh, is actually, it. it's actually kind of a it. fun series, right? These are two teams that we haven't seen be contenders in quite some time. I love it, Brian. An exhausting weekend. I fell asleep before Trey Young's uh, game winner. But I love that series. I don't get to watch the Hawks very often. Um, but I really like the collection of young talent that they have and the way their roster fits together. And the fact that the Knicks, I mean, I'm not a Knicks fan and I'm not never been a New York sports fan, but I think it's really cool that the Knicks have this kind of backing in Madison Square Garden and the parts of the game that I get, did get to watch and they had 15,000 fans and it sounded like they had 40,000 fans. I think it's really sweet when New York uh, backs the Knicks and the Knicks are like this. It's great for this, the NBA too. Yeah. And they're like this, uh, they're like this. Island of Misfit Toys. None of these players have been like good anywhere else, really, except for Derrick Rose. Um, and now they're all together, and they're like somehow like making it work. They just commit to defense. They play nasty, and I just I love that series. Tom Thibodeau's a great coach, man. Yeah. Tibbs is getting it done. Atlanta has a lot of talent too, man. They have a lot of good young players. They're mm-hmm. they're fun to watch. Next up, you swing by. We're going to talk about the difference between Bogdanovich's. I didn't know that there was two guys. Oh, I didn't know there was one on the. I thought the guy on the Hawks and the guy on the Jazz were the same guy. Former King. I had no idea. Kyle Sample, thanks so much for swinging by, buddy. It was a lot of fun. We'll be back at tomorrow. Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Television, is going to join us. And uh, to be determined, guest list, we could have a lot of guests swinging by. Either way, we'll see you 4 p.m. tomorrow right here at 1029 ESPN Missoula. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.